Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikport. We are talking Mr. Miracle number nine, Hyman. Holy cow, could enough stuff happen in one issue? This is the most eventful, action-packed, interesting issue that we've read at least in a week. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I know. It's at least, uh, at least seven days. Um, <laughs> it really reminds me of uh, Empire Strikes Back a little bit. To me, this is Empire Strikes Back. Oh, keep going with that. Because, I mean, I, I guess we, we, we're going to go back and forth on it, but the ending is like almost like a beginning, right? You know, like in the, you know, you're, you notice that there's a young kid. He, he's trying to find out a little bit more. He's a quote unquote dreamer. He finds this person who's different in this apocalyptic world. And at the end, he tries really hard. He passes through death defying tasks. And he runs away and he's, he's free, gone to earth. And then we find out, oh, this was the plan all along for the evil dark side to start a war. Either way, he got his way. But, you know, there's hope. Yeah, because dark side is manipulating him so strongly, just like Darth Vader is manipulating the whole situation. Yeah. An empire. We don't quite have a hand in carbamite scene, but we almost, we nearly do. And actually you can make a case of Hyman's like Yoda. Yeah, Hyman is like Yoda, yeah. He looks like Jack Kirby a little bit. I know, doesn't he? That was my wonder, first thought when I was looking through this. Yeah. So it's like, and then Barda, of course, as always, my favorite character comes through in this issue. A badass. <laughs> we see the beginning of their relationship, which I liked so much. Yeah, it, it makes you realize why she loves him too, because he's the rebel who shows her another way of seeing life, and it makes her more herself by him being this rebellious, rebellious person. Yeah, I also like it shows her heart too when she saves one of the Furies, one mm -hmm. of the dreamers who'd become a dreamer, and she wants to help her. She, you know, she's not like this drill sergeant evil person even though being a warrior and stuff, she cares and you could see that, you know, below all the, you know, toughness. Yeah, and we will definitely talk about Orly some more in a, in a few minutes. But yeah, I like seeing Barda's like love and, and appreciation for someone who has different abilities than she does. But she also kicks ass. Mm -hmm. Yep. And a bunch of people die in this issue. I wonder if that's... We haven't seen that many people die. It's funny, we've seen a lot of people die, but we haven't seen the deaths mean as much. Like seeing Orly or Cretan die, because we've seen them and we've, we've seen how they interact with the other people. There's a level of tragedy to their deaths. Mm -hmm. Like Cretan, we'll talk, we'll talk about this too, I'm sure. Cretan doesn't have the ability to contact the force, so he builds a mother box thinking it will help him escape apocalypse and armageddon but instead he it's just reinforces the fact that he's impotent well he's uh, he's not worthy because i i don't know if uh, so i don't know we might be jumping around i don't know if people have read this already but essentially to me he built a mother's box but there's a point here where it says yeah he built it but he doesn't have the skills it's on page 17 i think somebody says he built it, but he doesn't have the skills to operate or to use the source, which to me means he's not one with the force. 
another reference to Star Wars. I oh think. yeah, and and we talked about this before too. George Lucas knew knew Jack Kirby's New Gods, and said admitted influence on him. Now the source versus the force is something that's been debated for years. Yeah, because what he says. Uh, so th this is like one of the you know bad guys. He's all like, yeah, it's, uh, which is more than I can say for this dead lowly. In Hyman's ragtag group, this one had the least expectations. Yeah. And then he says, uh, no mystic fire in this one, hey? Mystic fire, like, you know, which is interesting, right? He built, and then he says, a type like this Cretan could never contact the source. So, Cre and also Cretan actually backstabs Hyman. So he's actually a bad guy. He's not, he can't, you know, quote unquote, access the force, the positive energy. Because he's too trapped in his negativity. Yeah, he's, he's evil. He's not a good guy. Yeah, because it was going to be, my question was going to be, what is it that makes Cretan someone who can't access the force? Because Kirby, you know, believed in people moving up and out of their station in life, or their cast in life. But it's because Cretan in his soul was still evil. Selfish, yeah. Selfish, that's a great way of putting it. Selfish. I mean, because Hyman risked his life to save Cretan, and then Cretan didn't do anything to help him. And there's a dialogue with Cretan and um, Metron where he says, hey, you know, like, I gotta save my own skin. You know, I worship dark side, which evil, selfishness, negativity. But after that, I worship my own myself. So it's, yeah, Cretan just didn't deserve it. He, he's a bad guy. That's an interesting point because the heroes in this series have always been selfless. Mm -hmm. I think about New Gods, I think about Orion constantly putting himself in the midst of the battle to try and save humanity. Mm -hmm. Or Barda constantly fighting her feelings of love because she's so, you know, attached to Scott and to Oberon. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of things to say about this issue. There's a lot, like, I feel like Kirby just went balls out in this one from like a you see a lot of tortured dead people, which from a kid's comic, I don't know if you, that's crazy, you know? He, there's also some themes that I think he introduces. Is it Orly, one of the, you know, the yeah. dreamer from the Furies? Like, you know, they all live in a, you know, the idea that like imagination can't be altered, you know? Like in your mind, you could be, you could choose to be happy. You could have imagination. You, people can't take away your human, the human spirit. Well, let's yeah. start from the beginning because I, I think that's going to reflect really quickly when we see the destruction of the citizens of Armageddon too. Mm -hmm. the, the splash page and then the resulting two pages are, I think, just, I hesitate to use the word because it's such a cliche, but breathtaking. These are enormous, impossible yeah. vistas of space full of Kirby tech and inventiveness and of course Kirby crackle yeah that's overwhelming this the scenes on page two and three of this issue of Armageddon and that long kind of faceless building all the people in the distance is just a an incredible image Kirby's use of perspective mm -hmm. is spectacular and the way he places people along the way to give you an idea about perspective like 
I don't think there's very many cartoonists who could draw at that level of depth and detail and keep everything so sensuous and powerful. I mean, this page is so horrific. I don't know if you could even recreate this even with our special effects technology now. How do you, like, I just noticed that lizard that's flying. Did you notice that on the right on page three? Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that lizard. That's such an, I mean, a weird little throw in. It's like a hell, hellish beast, right? Like with like fire in the sky and like brown and yeah, it's great. The level of detail, because it looks so dirty and run down and beat up. You know, there, there's water and dirt and ashes and God knows what else all over the floor there. Yeah, it's like a ghetto. Yeah, Armageddon, I yeah. think exactly what he may, means. And you look up to the sky and all you see is fire. These opening three pages, I think, are as good as anything we've seen it from Kirby so far. Actually, if you can contrast it to the beginning of New Gods 1, or actually to the beginning of the Pact, when I think about the Pact, uh, it starts also with Isaiah and his wife in New Genesis. And they're uh, in a paradise. You know, the Pact starts with Isaiah and Avia back to back in paradise. Contrast that to, to the beginning of this issue. And they are, you know, night and day in terms of the coloring, in terms of the passion, in terms of the joy. But then again, the pact also starts with a, a major battle with confrontation. And as we dig deeper into Hyman here, the, the confrontation is, if anything, even more brutal in the new issue. Yeah. Hyman. Yeah, I, I feel like Kirby is so great at drawing horrific scenes. Right. Well, obviously, I mean, he's a master, but he's a king. I love the irony of wonderful Willick. What a great ironic name. Yeah. And I swear the people on page four, like, God forbid, they look like people from a concentration camp. Yeah. And they're buying uh, wonderful Willick's uh, lies about Hyman being a bad person. Bring him to me. We'll kill that vermin ourselves. Yeah, gladly. Because mm -hmm. they're so desperate. Yeah. Again, there's just no joy in Apocalypse except from the female Furies. That's right, yeah. And you notice how Willick is drawn to? His eyes are always hidden from us. He's always kind of turned away. Like, I don't know if there's a shame to it, to his look, but more this kind of ruthlessness, like he is almost a faceless uh, embodiment of evil in this circumstance. But when he takes his helmet off, so you can see his eyes. Yeah, but only from the side. Oh, got it. Yeah. That's just a brutal couple pages. Really, the whole first five pages of this, of this issue just draw you into a living hell. Yeah. There's literally fire on every page. So one of, yeah, one of the things I wrote in those pages is like he ends up killing the, the regular people in trying to kill Hyman, which he does not succeed in killing Hyman, of course. And then there was one where he recoils and backs and hits him. And we're like, oh, how come he didn't die? Which was interesting. We're like, oh, are they not killing people? And then you realize, no, no, they're actually, he's actually killing people in this issue. He's, yeah ruthlessly and that's your point earlier like people are dying all over this issue right they killed a lot and then they kill a lot of heroes too a lot you know like well later on on page 18 
that I cannot believe that was on a kids uh, like a approved comics code approved issue of a DC comic. It's just brutal, isn't it? Which is great. They're hanging from that contraption like so much laundry or something. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. That's really what it looks like. And even Scott and Barter are shocked. Mm -hmm. And that's how brutal wonderful is. Mm -hmm. And he's having his meal afterwards too, uh, giving my dinner. The irony of him being, calling, of him being called Protector Willick. Yeah. Oh my God, it's just so perverse. Yeah. Yeah, he's having his meal, the meal of the bomb. That's, that's one of the few moments that like, actually made me smile this issue. When he pulls off the metal tray and inside the metal tray isn't his meal, but a bomb. And then finally he's killed. Uh, the one character in this issue deserves to die. I wanted Scott to feel some, I guess, let me put it this way. I guess what we're seeing, what we see from page six onward is the impact of Scott being encouraged to feel free, where freedom is something he needs to earn. It's not something that he could just take easily. He has to really fight for it. Now, do we know what, how he ended up knowing about Hyman? Was there something, was there another thing in a previous issue where they mentioned him? I'm going to say I think that Metron talked to him about Hyman as part Got of the it. conversations. Does that make sense to you? I, for some reason, I remember him like kind of inquiring about something. But I think it's like, I, I'm going to say I think it comes from Metron kind of starting to encourage him. Got it. Okay. At least that, that, that's what I think. Mm -hmm. But even uh, the even the fact, uh, even though Hyman is powerful, he still feels the effects of, of being that like he was. I mean, his suit is on fire. His face is all scarred up and burnt up. This is a tough life he's living too. Like uh, Scott and Hyman? What do you make of this relationship between them? It's definitely a mentor versus mentee. Do you feel like it's a Yoda versus Luke? Yeah, I feel like it's actually close to a Obi Wan and Luke. Yeah, because it's not as because I think with Yoda, um, Luke knew about Yoda, you know, more or less. You know, Obi Wan was just it came out of nowhere. You know, he was like, oh. Now he's going to be my mentor without me actually asking for it necessarily. Can you imagine being in your apartment one day and suddenly an arm appears in the wall saying, don't stand there gaping, give me your hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like imagine the shock Scott feels. Mm -hmm. And then he gets pulled into this group of uh, dregs and misfits. And yeah. so immediately Scott also sees himself as an outsider, as a drag, as a misfit. Mm -hmm. He knew Cretan and he knows Cretan's in, in a misfit. Oh, he knows Cretan, huh? Yeah, he listened to Cretan. Yeah. He despised I mean, him. all of them seem like weirdos except Orly. And Hyman. Orly, you know, she belongs in like, she's a soldier. And then Cretan just seems like one of the poor people 
there's one person who has like a rag on his head or her head i don't know right and this other person with like a like a french helmet on and yeah watching all these people oh no i was just saying like uh all the ragtag gang of hymen they're all just people who are like a little bit off you know orally is off soldier like Cretan even is he's just kind of like a technician who's kind of you know, you know selfish technician and then a couple of weirdos were dressed weird you know like the person who had like a pink rag on his head and then one that's dressed up with like a french war helmet or something like that yeah it's he like part of the mother box it's like the kids who are the outsiders at school or something yeah it's the chess club. No, yeah, it's the chess club. It's the theater kids. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. <laughs> well, I chess club or theater kids is is right too because it these are probably great people, mm-hmm. but but they're not uh, they're not the normal people. You know, mm-hmm. Bravo is clearly like just a, a flake. That's the guy who he sends up to the ceiling, but the same, or who forces himself up to the ceiling, I should say. But he's probably like this brilliant kid who, in a few years, will be like running the equivalent of running his own startup or something. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Or well done. I love these names. Bravo, well done. Orly, Scoffrey. These names are so evocative. Yeah, and there's something even heroic about Orly because she's trying to survive with her inner beauty in that grim house of horrors Granny Goodness calls an orphanage. Like she's just this woman who's not, who was born in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. I and I think one really, of the, go sorry, ahead. One of the interesting things was like, uh, Scott was like, well, she does nothing and just stares at the mind video. And then Hyman's like, no, she creates visions. You know, she's a, she's a, uh, what is it? She has imagination, you know, she creates beauty. And it's like, it's really that idea of, um, uh, I think art, the appreciation for art gets destroyed in societies where all you're thinking about is survival, like on Apocalypse. And like, there's just that glimmer of hope and light in people who are dreamers, who are artists, who are creators, you know? And so it's like, that's, and that's, and to somebody who's like a military person who's just thinking about survival, like Scott at this point, that seems worthless, but for humanity and this human spirit, that's like one of the things that's really important. And I like that um, Kirby points that out and I can imagine him, you know, being in World War II and you know, seeing all the dead, probably see, getting a glimpse of the ghettos and like, you know, people being tortured and killed and really ha- like getting through all of that through his imagination and his art, you know, his thinking about art, you know. And in fact, wasn't he like an artist during the war too? Like he drew for the military? Yeah, he did. And that probably helped them survive it, you know. If, yeah. Can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Your mom's an artist, right? Yeah. And she grew up, she lived in Iran, so she was there during the revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, how did her art, how was her art influenced by the Iranian revolution? It wasn't in, influenced by it. That said, 
it had aspects of it that would have otherwise been censored had they been out. So for example, a lot of the Persian miniature art like had, you know, women were dressed in ways that, you know, they weren't covering themselves. A lot of it was nude drawings. I mean, not, not gratuitous, but you know, things that wouldn't have been approved by the Islamic government. And so I think the, uh, I, I don't think this was conscious, but for her and, you know, the people that she, you know, the, the teacher that she studied under and her classmates, to me, subconsciously, it was like preserving a sort of art form that would have otherwise died out. And it's really, a, you know, not to get into Iranian history, but I think it's always been a act of preservation because, you know, during the Crusades and even before the Crusades, a lot of the Muslim, and not that, I mean, I'm not saying anything about Islam. I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad religion, but like at that time in the, I don't know, the 1200s or year thousand, they really enforced their own religion onto other people. And moreover, they took over the art and destroyed anything that for them did not align with their religion. And so a lot of artwork in Iran was to adapt to them and maintain what you have. So we can really discuss that in a different thing with people who know a lot more than I do. But, but to me, it was preservation of art, which is kind of similar to Aurelie. She's preserving her imagination amidst all of this, you know, atrocity and, and, and uh, I guess, censorship, for lack of a better word. Yeah, the uniformity of thought, because we saw previous issues. Really interesting about your mother, and I want to talk about that more. Uh, well, we, uh, maybe outside of this, um, what we saw a lot of in previous issues also was a lot of posters about, you know, dark side is God and dark, follow dark side and we obey dark side. And it's easy to imagine that being similar to like Nazi era propaganda yeah. too, that artists were creating, but they were forced to create inside a narrow. Uh, well, period. you also think about uh, China, right? China and Russia, they had brilliant artwork propaganda all those posters that are like they had like a, i don't know about brilliant but they're pretty effective and even we had propaganda too so it's interesting about art yeah yeah i think it's art without seeming purpose that that's like foreign to a military person like scott free is like well what's the purpose of doing that it's like well it's to preserve your imagination yeah, that's the pure form of art. It's not the art that's for the society. Mm -hmm. It's art that you're creating for yourself and that reflects your own inner being. It's it inner-created art instead of outer-created art. Yeah, and it leads to human evolution. That's where evolution comes. And, you know, I think somebody like the Nazi paraphernalia and garbage like that, not only is it evil, but also it's just, re you know, regurgitating the same message over and over again. And there's no, and it's, it's purpose is to change, you know, to get people to adhere to a certain point of view rather than just evolve past something. We can make a, an argument that's artful, but it's not art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because art to me is something that's going to upset you in some way, force you to, to contemplate, but not lead you where to go, mm -hmm. to expose you to other views of the world especially very unique, singular views of the world, mm -hmm. like Jack Kirby's. 
right? I mean, we feel so much reading a work by Kirby and we see so much of him coming through in his work. He's not reflecting the society, well, he's reflecting the society he's living in, but he's reflecting his idealized view of the world he's living in uh, through these characters he creates and the dilemmas they go through. And like we were, like we've been talking about all three this series, um, like Barter's evolution, for example, represents Kirby's optimism that people can transcend what they grow, what they grow into, become richer, more nuanced uh, people who can truly change their lives, mm-hmm. who can go from being, I could say, unhappy to being someone who is like one of the happiest people we know mm-hmm. in common. Yeah. We could see Scott, who's indoctrinated to be a slave, and his whole life is about being free. And we could see Orion kind of wrestling with the two sides of himself. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the son of Dark Side, who's so, uh, who's fated to, to be evil, but who wants desperately to be good. Uh, there's so much in those characters that makes them powerful archetypes for how we embrace our world. Mm-hmm. It also makes them just very unique, interesting people on their own. Mm-hmm. We've been yeah. talking about Luke Skywalker, right? Luke Skywalker goes through his journey. Sorry, I set us off on a whole long tangent there. Scott and Bart's meeting on page 11 is not the, not the sweetest meeting, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't fall in love at first sight. No. She's, she's almost contemptuous of him when he breaks her, her uh, metal noose. As she calls it. I, I think they're kind of flirting too, right? When she's kind of saying like, hey, I'm going to pound your face in. And then he's all, good. I got some new mechanisms. I'm, I'm trying to test and see if I can get out of it. I'll, I'd like to see you try kind of, you know. Any other tricks, you know, like that kind of, they're, they're kind of flirting, you know. Yeah, they're already flirting. You're right. Like machismo type of flirting. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, machismo type of flirting. And then you flip the page and it's mob violence all over the streets. Hyman looks genuinely scared at yeah. the as well. And this is where uh, Cretan backstabs him. And we, we start to see Metron flesh out a little bit. Mm, he's not so bad, huh? Well, he's moralizing to Cretan about how bad he's been treating everybody. Basically, yeah. your karma's going to come back and, and do you in. For all that Hyman added to your life, you do nothing to help him. You know, payback's a bitch is what he's saying. I don't know if that's, is that in line with his character, you think? Like I think we, what we read from New Gods and maybe it's because, you know, this was meant to be read like after a certain issues. So perhaps like he's going through an evolution to himself, Metron is. This is earlier on though, right? This is when Scott was still a teenager. So this is at least 10 years oh, you're right, right, right. Prior Sometimes. to the events of, you know, uh, the main New God series. I think we're seeing, I was inter- I was thinking about this. I interpret as him saying, this is a pattern I see over and over again. And if you don't act in accordance with your, with the cues you set up for yourself, you, if you're a betrayer, if you treat people wrong, then you're going to get what's coming to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's easy to look at it from a scientific perspective. So I had a question about- Many questions and resolve them. Mm-hmm. Does that seem more uh, aggressive than we've seen from Metron? 
Is that what you? Is that where your question comes from? I mean, maybe I don't. I don't really know. I mean, it might still be objective view. He's objectively viewing like you know, neg you know, good and evil, and maybe at some point science will also determine that good is more powerful than evil. But yeah, I wasn't really hung up on it. I think it's interesting that he's, you know, he's you know, in the next couple of pages you'll see that he's a. Uh, talking with Hyman and they almost seem like they're in on something. So really his true purpose is not really seen until like this issue. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. I had a question about Hyman's death. Like, is that like a fake body? Like what was the whole thing about? They, they didn't, I mean, they kind of mentioned that it could be a fake body or whatever. I guess that's another Jedi mind trick, right? Well, it has to be a fake body because he's yeah alive on page 21. Yeah. He's kind of like Moses, too, on page uh, 16. Uh, mm -hmm. When he's talking to Metron, he's at the uh, top of the hill and talking to a god. And, like, there's, like, wind, you know? Like, remember when, I guess, in the Charlton Heston movie where Moses go up on a hill and it's all windy and his hair is, like, all over the place, you know, on the fourth panel, page 16. Yeah. Yeah, that looks biblical, doesn't it? Yeah. And even the words he said, a slaughterhouse is not a home. That almost sounds like a line from the Bible. Mm. A destructive revelation is not a father. Wow. Think about these uh, this, as these two lines as parables. A destructive revelation is not a father. And a slaughterhouse is not a home. Mm -hmm. Wow. So born on new Genesis. That's like so, that's like totally, those are lines that you just meditate on. And I like Metron saying, like, you know, Scott's going to make his decision, and then we'll see in the next couple of pages after uh, Cretan's death that he has made his decision. He grew out his hair like a hippie. But he knows Scott is going to escape from Apocalypse. His That's his destiny. Yeah. Metron uh, travels through time also, right? So that, that might be another reason he's seen, he sees it. He does seem more on... Well, maybe maybe it's him just wanting to keep make sure that time is moving the way it's supposed to. When he says you must help Scott escape unhurt, because otherwise he would come across as heroic and in favor of the New Genesis side of the war. Mm. But maybe yeah, he just needs to make sure that all of time marches the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and here's the page eighteen of like um, you know the atrocities. Even Scott and Butter are shocked. I just can't get over that. Mm -hmm. They live their entire life on apocalypse. They've seen all kinds of horrors, but they've never seen as terrible as this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a, so like Cretan, they kill him, uh, even though I think he kind of helped them out. And then um, I like how uh, it's a little, it's so funny though, because you know, we can always go back to the cartooniness of, of this. It's a little cartoony how Hyman rescues um, Scott and Barda. It's like a little cartoon bomb in, in his, that's like what like uh, you would see on Looney Tunes or like, whoa, <laughs> I'm gonna have the steak. Oh no, it's a bomb. Yeah, and you destroyed me, but it's not really me. See all these tortures that you put me through? Not actually, they didn't actually happen. Yeah. 
I think if anyone else had done the tortures on pages 14 and 15 and then said, oh, yeah, just different body, we'd be, like, really angry. Like, only Kirby could pull something like that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the the part that uh, how Scott's running away from the uh, parademons. That's kind of cool. I want to go back. Scott grows his hair. Yeah. His moment of rebellion, he grows his hair. Such a small thing. And yet it means so much. I just think that's so intriguing. Yes, you may be capable of anything. Like uh, the small, a small little token of rebellion can mean so much. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's just a really powerful thing also for Kirby to be yeah. saying. Do you notice there's so many on page 21, there's so much shadow in that page? I don't know if Kirby just went to town or was it the Royer who did? It's like really dark and shadowy, everyone's face and stuff. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that this is all taking a toll on Hyman. Hmm. Isn't, isn't that how you read that? Well, I mean, it's shadowy for everybody. Like you'll see on panel one, look at Barda. She doesn't even look like a Kirby drawing. Nobody does. Everyone is in shadows. Yeah, you're right. It might just be, yeah, I think to your point, it's probably taking a toll. Is that how you interpreted it when you first read it? Not really. I just was interested in the art part. I was like, oh, that's interesting how like there's a lot of dark, a lot of uh, blacks on this page. I don't know, you read the dialogue and you almost imagine it, I could see it easily being the source it lives, it burns. When we reach out and touch it, the core of us is magnified. That's a pretty heroic statement for Hyman to make. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that they're in shadow. Yeah. Maybe they're in the shadow of dark side. Perhaps. It does set up Scott looking right at us at the bottom of page 21. Seemingly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving ahead from it. Uh, on the last panel of page 21, are they crying together, praying together? All three characters have bowed heads. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're doing with their when their heads are bowed? Are they just kind of momentarily defeated or is there more going on there? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't, I, it didn't really stand out to me. I mean, I think what stood out was that, you know, Hyman was hugging him, you know, and encouraging him to go after his dreams. I mean, this is the single moment when Scott and Barda realize they need to be free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's the moment where they, the single moment where they build the bond between them that'll never be broken because they both realize their destiny is together and in freedom. Mm-hmm such a noble way for a couple to come together. And this gets back to what we talked about before, like this is an unbreakable bond that was set up when they were what, maybe 16? I think that's just, I just think that's a beautiful little moment on page 21. But you're right, the scenes where he's escaping from the parody is just spectacular. I like the moving, you know, the, the foreshortening of the whole, like the body, it just, you know, vintage Kirby. The heads in front, bodies in the back, and then uh, just a 
the weight of the drawings, like even if going on to page 24, where like, you know, there's too much gravity, he can't move past it, you know? And then- oh, uh, so classic Kirby, you're right. Yeah, and I just, uh, I think the main, for me, the big comment was uh, what I noticed was on page 25, panel one, two, three, five, dark side looks like Darth Vader. He's all like, stay. You know how Dark Side or Darth Vader was like, I am your father, you know, or whatever that scene. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like Dark Side is not his father, but he's us. Let me complete the destruction of Scott Free so you may live with the majesty that is the power of Dark Side, you know, like let let me complete your training, you know, that kind of a thing. To him, destruction is a positive thing. Destruct yeah, well, he's all about destroying all life in the universe. Yeah. The destruction of everything is a is the most sacred goal you can have. Yeah, either way he wins. If Scott stays and he trains Scott to be a soldier for him, then he can send him against his father. If Scott leaves, then he can start the war. Scott is legitimately terrified too. He he's he pretty clear he feels like he's at least at the end of page 25, he feels like he's almost a pawn in this game. I feel like if like Lou facing Darth for the second time, mm -hmm. he knows he's overwhelmed. He knows he can't defeat him. You know, to some extent, he has to sacrifice everything he's known in order yeah. to become himself. I feel like if Scott had not been free and stayed on Apocalypse, he would have been used like a pawn the way, say, Palpatine wanted to use him against use um, Luke against uh, Darth Vader. Yeah. Or like replace him and so like he would use his son scott free to start the war and either way say hey this is your son it's your fault isaiah he'd be one of these characters like vermin wunderbar who's just one of dark side's lieutenants yeah instead of let me be scott free and find myself yeah such a heroic moment I'm surprised as to like Darkseid not doing anything to um, Hyman. But think of, well, look at the last page there. He's, you know, there's a big moment. Let me be scot free and find myself. And he disappears into the boom tube, right? And this is, this is the climax of the saga in this issue, right? This is an incredibly dramatic moment. And then you just feel time stop for a moment. And then Hyman says to him, he's gone. You'll have your war with New Genesis now. Yeah. And Darkseid is there ranting, you know. Uh, you know, in the end, I will shut down this universe yeah. to all life except the will of Darkseid. This is like the end of uh, Empire Strikes Back, where all there's a victory, but there's so much tragic loss tied to it. I wonder how it would have felt as a kid to read this. It must have been so exciting, especially that line. You know, there's a part where Kirby writes at the end of the issue is like, "Don't get jumpy. It hasn't happened yet." <laughs> the dark side of the bra, the future is still free to all. <laughs> Just an amazing issue. And in 26 pages, I think it's the longest issue we've read. This was a good issue, yeah. I wonder if it's going to go downhill. We keep saying that, but I, I'm really enjoying it. It started out slow, but I'm enjoying this. It seems like every issue of Mr. Miracle so far has gotten better and better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything about the next issue because. Every time I say an issue is going to be great, 
or not as good as the one before ends up being better. So maybe yeah. we'll do the latter half also. This was a good one. Thanks, Amir. I'm glad I got to read it with you. Thanks, Jason. And I really appreciate hearing about your mom's art too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's good to talk about it. Although, you know, I wanna preface it as like I don't know much about history or art. So a lot of it was maybe not totally accurate. It's just opinions. Well, I enjoyed hearing your opinions. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. See you next week. Oh, thank you.